Hi, and welcome to St Ninian Sermons Podcasts. I'm Stuart Cutler. I'm the minister of St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse in Scotland. St Ninian's is a local ecumenical partnership between the United Reformed Church and the Church of Scotland. That means we reflect the traditions of both denominations in our work and worship. We use a worship resource called Spill the Beans, which is written and produced here in Scotland and used around the world. You can have a look at it on their website, spillbeans.org.uk. At the moment, Spill the Beans is in the middle of an 18-month off-lectionary adventure, exploring parts of the Bible we either don't read very often, or bits that don't ever appear at all in either the Revised Common Lectionary or the Narrative Lectionary. This week we focused on Isaiah chapter 62, verses 6 to 9, and Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. So, let's hear this week's passages read by Julie, and then hear the sermon. Right, our first reading, as Stuart said, is from Isaiah chapter 62, verses 6 to 9. On your walls, Jerusalem, I have placed sentries. They must never be silent, day or night. They must remind the Lord of his promises and never let them forget them. They must give him no rest until he restores Jerusalem and make it a city the whole world praises. The Lord has made a solemn promise, and by his power he will carry it out. Your corn will no longer be food for your enemies, and foreigners will no longer drink your wine. But you that sowed and harvested the corn will eat the bread and praise the Lord. You that tended and gathered the grapes will drink the wine in the courts of my temple. And our second reading is from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. And Jesus said to his disciples, Suppose one of you should go to a friend's house at midnight and say to him, Friend, let me borrow three loaves of bread. A friend of mine who is on the journey has come to my house and I haven't got any food for him. And suppose your friend should answer from inside, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Well, what then? I tell you that even if he will not get up and give you the bread because you are his friend, yet he will give up, get up and give you everything you need because you are not ashamed to keep on asking. And so I say to you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks will receive and he who seeks will find and the door will be open to anyone who knocks. Would any of you who are fathers give your son a snake when he asks for fish? Or would you give him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? Bad as you are, you know how to give good things to your children. How much more then will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. Knocking at your neighbour's door at midnight, asking for three loaves because you have an unexpected guest. Because there's no 24-hour supermarkets, there's no garages that are open all the time, and there are strict laws of hospitality which mean that if somebody chats your door and asks for something, you can't say no. So people hearing this story would be shocked. They'd be shocked at how rude the man who has asked for three loaves is to his neighbour. The house is all shut up. My kids are in bed. 
Go away. But then you wouldn't go knocking on your neighbour's door at midnight asking for three loaves unless you were pretty desperate, would you? It's not the kind of thing that you would take lightly to go and knock the door and wake somebody up and for such a small thing. But then this really isn't a story about bread at all, is it? It's a story about prayer and how to pray. And it's really odd that we only read the little bit of the story that we did, especially when you hear what comes just before it. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John taught his disciples how to pray. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive our sins as we forgive anyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. So this teaching that we have today is part of a much longer passage where Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And that's really odd because they should know. The prayers are set out. We sang one of them as our first hymn. Psalm 104 is a liturgical psalm. It's a prayer. There were prayers for the morning and prayers for the evening and special prayers for the start of the Sabbath on a Friday night and prayers for worship in the synagogue or at the temple and prayers for festivals. There were loads of prayers. So for the disciples to say, teach us how to pray, is a really odd question. But their question seems to be prompted by two different things. The first is that they've noticed that John the Baptist teaches his disciples how to pray. John, as we discovered already, is probably part of a religious group called the Essenes. And they're kind of like a monastic community. They live together and they have a number of rituals which include bathing daily, so they had big baths that they would bathe in every day, which was really unusual. People didn't wash like that every day. It's a bit like when you were wee and you had a bath once a week, whether you needed it or not. They washed every day. But they prayed every day too, particularly after meals. And John obviously had continued this tradition into his ministry and he was teaching his disciples how to pray. And the second thing is that the disciples see Jesus praying. They see him doing it often, but not at all the times he's supposed to. Not in the morning or at night or before a meal. Or, he just prays. He just goes off and prays. And they must be wondering, what on earth is he doing? What's he saying? Because there's not a prayer for that. There's not a prayer that you can learn and just say. So they, you know, what's he doing? And so they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he does. He teaches them what we've come to know as the Lord's Prayer. And that's a prayer of attitude. It's a prayer that's all about reorientating our focus back to God and then considering how our own actions flow from that orientation. God first, and then everything follows. Our attitude to everything changes when we put God first. Our priorities change, our needs change, our desires change, our actions change. But that's obviously not always easy, because we forget. 
We're overtaken by our own wants and our desires and our angers and our frustrations. And all of a sudden, God is the last thing in our mind instead of the first thing in our mind. And that's what this extra little bit of teaching is about. It's not enough just to teach them the words of the prayer. He has to teach them about the attitude. It's fine to learn the words. And we do. When you pray to your Father in heaven, say this. And we do it every week. And it can become repetitive and meaningless and trite. Or it can become deep and rich and powerful. And for most of us, it's probably been both of those things. Jesus recognizes, after all, that the empty rituals and practices of the religious leaders are something that come in for his criticism all the time. And he doesn't want to just teach his followers another meaningless prayer or another meaningless ritual. So he does what he always does when he wants us to understand something. He tells us a story. It's a wee story about a neighbor who asks for bread. And it's an odd story because it's kind of a no-brainer. If somebody chaps your door at midnight and asks for three loaves of bread, then you're bound by the laws of hospitality and you have to give them. And three loaves is a small amount, which is something I think that we forget. We think of like a loaf as like a mother's pride, right? The, the loaves they're talking about are like a roll. Remember the wee boy in the story of the feeding of the 5,000 had five of them. He didn't have five loaves of mother's pride on the way back from the shop to put them in the freezer because the shops were shut on a bank holiday or something like that. That's all he had, five loaves, five bits of bread, rolls. So the man who chaps the door is not asking for much. It's a small amount. Why would you even go and ask for that? Why would you go and ask for three loaves? Such a small amount. Because bread is a central part of the meal. It's the Middle East. 2,000 years ago. Cutlery is not one of these things that people use. They use bread to eat. In the same way that if we go to the Indian and we get a curry, you get a naan bread and you dip it in the sauce. That's how people eat. You can't really eat without bread. And so it becomes really important. Although it seems such a small thing, it's, a, it's an incredibly important thing. But the point of the prayer is not about asking for lots. It's about asking for our daily bread. For just enough. Because that's all the man is asking his neighbor for. Just enough. But Jesus goes further. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For those who ask will receive. For those who seek will find. And the door will be opened to anyone who knocks. And that's a problem. Because we have all prayed for things that haven't happened. And I'm not going to try and explain that. Because it's not a trivial thing. Except to say this. Jesus' prayer is about attitude and focus. Our orientation towards God. 
and how that might influence how God wants us to be. It's interesting that Jesus then goes on to talk about how parents give things to their children and even bad people give good things to their wains. How much more then will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And there, I think, is the rub. Jesus doesn't say we'll get what we want, as though prayer is some kind of three wishes from a magic lamp. He tells us that prayer is about attitude and focus and orientation, and that the gift that we receive from God is more God. We get the Holy Spirit. That's the answer to our prayers. And that means that we're even more focused on God and even more interested in working out what God's will is for us. All this from a man who asks his neighbour for three rolls. We ask God for our daily bread. And in return, we receive his son's broken body. Broken for us. It's like fast food, this communion. It's temporary. For we live between times. Bread's not a banquet, it's not the banquet of a settled monarch celebrating a long reign over the earth. Bread and wine like this is a speedy meal. To keep us going between things. A kingdom snack that promises something more to come. Bread and wine isn't the end in itself. It's a lay-by meal. A quick energy boost, a pit stop before we hit the road again. In this transitory world where we live between times. Whoever wants to build a kingdom here, whoever wants to establish anything to put down foundations, will never know the kingdom. For it's not the kingdom that we build if we try to put down roots. We are travelers, itinerants, wayfarers, who need only enough to get us to the next lay-by. That's all this bread and wine are. This isn't meant to be the stuff of tradition. Surrounded by rituals and rules. It's a practical meal. Enough and only enough to get us back onto the road For we're living, and if we trust any of the words of Jesus, we live between times, between kingdoms. This, this isn't it. This is only the way. This is just a signpost, a clue, a dream, a hope. But that's all. This table is temporary here and then gone and the more we want to put on it the more traditions that we set here the more rituals that we have to go through 
to get to this bread and wine, the more it slows us down. The more it keeps us from getting to God's destination. This is a sign. It's not the kingdom. This is a hint. It's not the purpose. For we live between times. So let us not settle here and fix our hopes here. But such is the power of remembering that it's enough to send us out and not to linger. To send us out until we meet again next. So let's eat and pray and then get on our way heading always towards God's destination. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, questions or thoughts about this week's sermon, then please do get in touch. We create our podcast at anchor.fm where you can leave us a voice message. You can also find us on Facebook at St Ninian's Church Stonehouse and on Twitter at St Ninian's Stonehouse. You can also find out about all the other great stuff going on at our church there. And if you're in the neighbourhood and want to join us in person, we meet for worship at 11am every Sunday. We'd love to see you.